This is Corinne. And this is Ayani. And you're listening to Sex, Love, Literature, a pop culture podcast where we take a semi-scholarly look at why and how the sex stuff in media matters. Back in your ear holes for the first time since May, we're fresh off our summer hiatus. This episode, we're joined by friends of the show and fellow pop culture connoisseurs, Mav and Hannah from Vox Popcast. In part inspired by Netflix's recent persuasion adaptation, as well as the continued success of Bridgerton, we wanted to put Regency romances in context. In the first of two episodes, we get into what exactly a Regency romance is, why people can't seem to stop making them, and our own experiences watching them. If you also love Regency romances, or just want to tell us how much you missed us, let us know on Twitter and Instagram at sexlovelit. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. And remember to tune in to part two of our discussion, coming soon. On with the show. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome back to Sex Love Literature. Thank you so much for your patience while we've been on our hiatus. Yeah, something important happened while we were on hiatus. Ayani became Dr. Cooper. Oh, that's right. I did a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I am I am now Dr. Cooper, which is weird. You all do not have to call me that. I'm still just Ayani to you all, of course. Um, but yeah, so it was a lot of dissertationing and defending and graduating that was happening. And Chloe just opened the door to the room and came back in. So I'm going to close that in a second. (laughs) The door just opened and I was like, who is there? Of course, it is my cat. So I'll get that in a second. But Chloe is also very excited that we're back. Um, Yeah, I'm still kind of in a whirlwind of life right now, uh, getting ready to pack up and move and a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, thank you for your patience while I had to live a lot of life. But now we're we're back. We're gonna do some some sex love literature ring, which is exciting for us. Corinne's making faces at me. Is this not exciting for you, Corinne? Oh, it, it's very exciting. Something else that is exciting is that we have two guests. Welcome, Mav and Hannah. So, <laughs> Mav and Hannah are our buddies from uh, Vox Populorum podcast uh we've been on their show a couple times uh, and this is their first time on ours so mav hannah why don't you tell the people who are you why are you here beyond the fact that we invited you and we like you i'm wondering when the last time we ever said the full name of our podcast out loud was (laughs) 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 the vox popularum podcast i'm like oh yeah the show is called that um for me it was never it's been never i've never (laughs) (laughs) um so what is our podcast mav uh oh god you mean to do that but also who are you oh yeah i I was i was trying to avoid that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i can do it in game show host voice like i do on the show it's like, um we um let's see we oh, i can't see i can't actually do it unless i do the hello part which is weird because i've i've got it memorized so like um so like i can't just say what it is and i was like it, i have to be like hello and welcome back to vox podcast the weekly pseudo roundtable <laughs> pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing which is what our show is it is a it is a pop culture roundtable of 
mostly academics, not quite. You know, it, it varies. And we have every week we have some pop cultural topic, which can vary greatly from it could be comic books. It could be American Girl dolls. It could be climate change. So it was this week. So this week's show was climate change. It could be the Fast and the Furious movies. It could literally be anything. And we talk about the cultural relevance of something for about an hour while um, I have a beer. (laughs) That's that's what we do. Um, And you guys have both been on. Have you only been on once together? Once together, I think a couple of times not together. Yeah, I have very little. uh, We were talking off air. I have very little memory of our shows after we've done them. So as far as I know, you've each been on a dozen times Um, (laughs) because we talk to you all the time. (laughs) Yeah, we talk to you guys a lot. um, So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Me me too. And I I guess the the thing I should say that I'm nervous to say is that um, I originally did a PhD in 19th century literature. But now I, I've I've expanded my career horizons beyond academia, so it's not what I do every day anymore. That makes it sound so much more like mysterious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's a spy. That's the answer. Expanding was, the horizons. I, I was gonna go with she's Batman. So you know. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. There's overlap somewhat. <laughs> Mav, you gave us the whole spiel about Vox Pop, but who are you? Who am I? Um. My name is Christopher Maverick, um, but you can call me Mav. Um, I am a lot of things, I guess. It's weird because I don't know how long your tape delay is, and I'm really bad at podcast time travel in general. So depending on when this episode comes out, I'm either a bum waiting for the summer to be over, or I am a lecturer of literature and cultural studies at University of Pittsburgh, um, where specifically digital narrative and interactive design School. That's such a uh, cool title. It is. It's like really, it's a lot of stuff, but I haven't actually started that job as we record, other than the fact that I'm like, I'm writing the syllabus. Really, I am. Um, <laughs> I totally am. I'm totally on that any day now um, and for the classes that I'm teaching. But um, I teach a lot of stuff about cultural studies. And specifically now I'm supposed to be doing stuff about like how you do humanities research on the internet, which I'm weirdly uniquely qualified for and then i'm just a weird person who i I used to write comics um i was a professional wrestler for a while and i have a show that's what i do (laughs) that's like a lot of things you're like oh yes i've lived my life in five disparate industries but you know it's nothing yeah i was a software designer i've had a lot of jobs (laughs) it's very much a i mean i made the batman joke it's very much a thing where where i have like Oh, that seems like a cool idea. Why don't I go to school for eight years and learn how to do that? And I've done that, you know, a few times. And and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's learning to do cultural studies. Sometimes it's literally learning pro wrestling. There's a lot of overlap. I've written papers about it. So that's, <laughs> that's what I did. It is. It's a lot of over, overlap. Roland Bart wrote a paper. and He's like, was way, way smarter than I am. So. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to downplay your intelligence, you know. Um, you are a pro wrestler, and I think that's like one of the coolest things in the world. We that I will not go down that road right now. Um, <laughs> but Andrew and I are, are big wrestling fans. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love wrestling. Mm, that yeah, they like they've even gotten me to watch wrestling. Uh, so. Yeah. So really, super quick aside. During the pandemic, we got Corinne to watch Up Up Down Down, which is um, for those listening who don't know, is a, an online kind of gaming 
channel through YouTube that was started by the wrestler Xavier Woods, and he brings a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other wrestlers on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Adam Cole, um, and now I'm thinking of their names, Swiss, who is not Cesaro anymore because he's moved Claudio, to AEW. Cla- Claudio Castagnoli. Yes, is his, Claudio. Is his, that was his name when I met him originally. He's back. Yes, <laughs> actually, no, Claudio. Re- oh, well, again, we are going to have to talk after the show. <laughs> And then um, Tyler Breeze, mm-hmm. they were playing Uno together. And then Andrew, Corinne, and I got very invested in watching them play Uno together during the pandemic. Um, we even got shirts from the show called that say Departy because that was like one of the things that got us through <laughs> the pandemic. So now Corinne knows these four wrestlers. So anytime they're on, I'm like, look, Corinne is Swiss. And she actually <laughs> saw his AEW debut. So like, and she, it's the one person that she would have been excited to watch wrestling for. So it was like perfection. All right, well, thanks so much for being here, Mavanana. This is so exciting. So on yeah. today's episode, we are talking about all things Regency romance. So we mm-hmm. originally planned this episode many months ago when the second <laughs> season of Bridgerton dropped. Uh, and that is about when we invited them to come on and life happened. But we're instead recording this in August. It'll probably drop in September, right yes. after the Netflix Persuasion adaptation dropped. So we thought we would talk about what is it that we like so much about Regency romance? What is it that makes us keep coming back to that as a sort of genre? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. before we do that, like we do every episode, we're going to talk very briefly about what's sparking joy for us. So Ayani, what what, what is the what's sparking joy segment? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. What Sparking Joy <laughs> is a small moment that we take to talk about other media, music, video games, television shows, movies that are bringing joy to us in our day-to-day lives, especially because so many of our episodes are focused on a specific topic. This is a nice way to just bring parts of our life into the podcast. So let's start with our guests. Mav, what's Sparking Joy for you? Uh it's a lot of pressure when you go first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I picked two things um, because that seemed to be the pattern um, from the show. Um, <laughs> I um, First thing I started watching just this week, we watched um, because the internet streaming allows us to do this. We watched the first three episodes of Claim to Fame, which is now my new favorite reality show. It is... Um, Hosted by Kevin and Frankie Jonas. Kevin Jonas of the Joni Jonas Brothers and Frankie Jonas, their other brother that no one knows. And huh. <laughs> yeah, there's a fourth Jonas brother who doesn't get to be in the band. It's weird. Um, <laughs> yes, he sings. He's an actor. But yeah, no, seriously, I'm not. This is not, this is not the joke yet. Um, that That's all absolutely true. They've got a they've got a, a another brother, a younger brother who. Um, I don't know how real it is, but on the show, he clearly has a complex about it, like oh, about Jesus. not being on the show. And so there's this show that they're hosting, which is a reality show called Claim to Fame. And the whole gimmick is they've got like 20 people who are related to celebrities, but not. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then they go and then like they're all living in a house and, you know, Big Brother Survivor style. They're living in the same house. And then they have to like sort of. um figure out who each other are and if they can figure out who if the other people in the house can figure out who you are then they can then you get kicked out the house basically and like whoever is left um wins a hundred thousand dollars so there's been three episodes and some of them some of them we the audience know because they've told they've either told us or Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um one of them there was one uh, spoilers for a show that as it's like you know 
seven weeks old as as you guys listen to it at home. But um, like there, I knew one. I was so proud of myself from the very first um, episode because there was one person who was just calling himself X, and he was like, "Oh, um, I'm related to a famous actor uh, actress," and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's Laverne Cox's brother." And I know this because I'm a huge Orange is the New Black um, fan. And on Orange is the New Black, they did episodes where there were flashbacks to um, Sophia was Laverne Cox's characters. There were flashbacks to before she transitioned. And since the actress Laverne Cox very much looks female now to play the character of Sophia back when she was a man, they hired her real life twin brother. Lamar. Oh, and I remember I looked those at him episodes. And I'm, like, and I'm like, I know who you are. And Steph, my wife, is like, how do you know who he is? I'm like, no, I know exactly who you are. And it's Laverne Cox's brother. And I recognize him. And, and then once you realize it, you can easily hear in his voice that they're the same person. And you can close your eyes and you can squint at them. And you're like, they look exactly alike, except for he's got like a beard and stuff. So we're watching that and enjoying it. And there's only been like three episodes. Um, and then the other thing is uh, I'm a big fan of Riverdale, which is the greatest show in the history of television. <sighs> and it is, <laughs> and Hannah is like groaning because I say this on our show all the time. Uh, Riverdale, as we record, just had its season finale two nights ago. And they fought a comet and they won. And I was like, yes, next year, next year, we're doing time travel. Like that's how the season ended. We're doing time travel back to the back to like the 1950s next season. And they're and they're in high school again um, because they all grew up. But they're time traveling back and doing Archie um, old style after having been superheroes this season and um, having it's the show's crazy. It's absolutely insane. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so I haven't watched Riverdale yet, but I feel like eventually I'm going to have to, but is, is Riverdale just like live action anime thrown together? Cause when you were like, they fought a comet, I was like, Oh, it's like Gurren Lagann. Is that, is that just what's happening? Is it, was, it? <laughs> it was a slightly on the first season. It was a slightly weird, kind of a Twin Peaks ripoff, but starring Archie characters where it was like a little surreal, but like very, very grounded. It was just sort of, it was like Archie, but edgy, you know, like that was the, and it was just like, you know, they, this, this is Archie, but now they have sex. And that was like the whole show. And then as the seasons went on, it just got weirder and weirder. And this season they had superpowers and don't worry about it. Don't try to think about it. Ghosts are real. They've got superpowers. Magic is real. Um, sometimes you fight a comet. Sometimes you go to a parallel dimension. Remember when sometimes like, there's a there rocket. Were... Yeah. And a cult. <laughs> yeah. There's a rocket <laughs> and serial killers. <laughs> and the show just doesn't care. And it's amazing. I love it. I'm, I'm not joking. I love it so much. I've seen every episode. <laughs> And, and 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 again, Hannah's like just snarling at me. I am not snarling at you. I just but, but like you get to do yours next, and like you're gonna sound just as dumb as I do. <laughs> That's I the joy of what's sparking joy, though, is <laughs> that you can completely go like fandom ape shit for whatever <laughs> property that you're talking about. I don't, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with you, except. That you've had the same joke for like five years. It's now. not a joke. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I really do. I really love this show. Oh no, I believe you I'm love gonna, it. I just don't believe I'm you miss actually. It so much when it's gone. I don't believe you think it's actually the best show on television. I. They fought a comet, <laughs> <laughs> and they won. How can you? Lie? How can you you're, not love? That? You're right. I'm sorry. I take it all back. I was wrong. <laughs> I feel like you're trying to downplay this, Hannah, because you have to go next. And like, how can you follow up fighting a comet? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> with the 
with the things that lost the comet, I guess, because I want to talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, what's sparking joy for you, Hannah? <laughs> uh, so this summer I was like, you know what? I'm going to reread Jurassic Park because this is where our world is right now. And you know what? <laughs> it's more relevant than it was in like 1990, which I wasn't even born yet. Barely, but. Oh, uh, God. I was born. That was a rude thing for you to yeah, say. That, I loud. know that was really mean. I just want to say. <laughs> I was born in 91. It's not like I, you know, missed it by too much. But I'm sorry. I, I apologize for not being born sooner. Also to myself, because I think I would have really done well in the 80s. Um, but <laughs> that's not the point. Um, so so Jurassic Park is amazing. It, it's actually quite different from the movie. And they're both good in their own separate ways. And I'm going to just say it so Mav can feel good about himself. Uh <laughs> Uh, I recommend Jurassic World Dominion because it's the movie that encapsulates our time in 2022 <laughs> and is the blockbuster we deserve. So I'm going to say it now. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No notes. <laughs> so I have notes. I, again, I, I enjoyed Jurassic Park Dominion. I have many there, notes. We did a whole episode on it. <laughs> there are, I'll drop that in the show It notes. is impossible to give that film notes. The only note is throw it all out and start over. <laughs> Um, or 10 out of 10, no notes, either way, <laughs> Which, whichever way you want to go with that. Also, uh, sort of like kind of keeping with the theme of what we're talking about, but not really. Um, Josh and I have been playing board games. Um, Josh is my partner. And the one he's currently super into that I didn't expect him to be, so I've been playing a lot, is called Obsession. And it's set in the Victorian period, mm. and you you play a family, and you're trying to like rebuild your repu- reputation and wealth, and convince the Fairchilds that who are who are like the eligible bachelor and bachelorette um, of the neighborhood that you are worth like visiting, and that your son or daughter might be worth courting, and so it's 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 quite. Wait, so you're trying to marry off your kid? Yeah. And also rebuild your estate and hire servants. And like it, it's very much like Downton Abbey meets Pride and Prejudice meets like Thomas Hardy. It's fascinating. So are you playing – are you guys partners or is it like a thing no, where so like, like – you, ev- the player plays like a family. Like like I would play mm. like the Cavendish family and I'm trying to rebuild my wealth while Josh is playing like the Wessex family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if the four of us play, like the winner is whoever gets – their daughter married off. No, that you that that certainly helps. Um, but you can win in other ways. Like you can. You know, okay. daughters don't matter that much. That's kind of what that. I. That's kind of what I was yeah. wondering. I was like, is it like? Because I'm like, does it just like who do they? Who do we? Does he? You, choose, it, it's you it's know? not. It's, so it's more complicated than that. It's it's like who who's successful at um, courtship? Who is able to successfully build up their estate? Um, who's okay. successfully mm-hmm. able to attract? not just any visitors, but reputable like guests into their home because some guests are rogues and rakes and they, they are worth negative points that will bring down your score. You know, who can I want to be a rogue? Oh. Can I be a rogue? Can I play a rogue? I want to be a game? rake. Or, or rake, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm handsome and dangerous. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm sure that you, you can add that element to the game in your, you know, uh, in, in your role play, but you, you know, that that's a little adding like you're you're playing like a whole like it's, it's interesting because you're playing like a whole family corinne what is sparking joy for you 
So two things. Uh, the first is a K-drama. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this one is called Alchemy of Souls. It's on Netflix. It is a alternate world fantasy drama, which are kind of few and far between for K-dramas, I think, because they require a larger budget. But mm. it's a lot of fun. The main character is an assassin who dies basically immediately upon the first episode starting but manages to put her soul in someone else's body shenanigans ensue there's lots of magic it's mostly like very goofy but it's also a hong sisters drama for any k-drama fans uh so i think as we're recording i think episode 14 is about to drop so like we're about to get to a very dramatic part of the story I have no doubt mm. so I'm sure the stakes are about to go way up but it's a lot of fun there are a lot of really fun actors uh just kind of having a, a fun goofy time at least so far uh the other thing that I'm really into right now is a c-drama or Chinese drama which I don't normally watch because they are very messed up a lot of the time like c-dramas have a lot going on but this one is called love like the galaxy it is a historical and the main character her name is Niao Niao, and she is like a strategic genius who was <laughs> neglected as a child so when she's brought into society she has no idea how to behave but like it's mad at people when they like make fun of her so the two things she's done so far that have absolutely won me over is one she like picked a fight with people for trying to drown her cousin but then fully punched herself in the face so that she could look more pathetic and not get in trouble and the second thing was engineering the collapse of a bridge with all of her enemies on it so that they would be embarrassed <laughs> in front of the men they were trying to court so i'm absolutely here for it it is hilarious 10 out of 10 highly win. recommend historical to so, what era when does this take place uh i think around oh i have no idea i'm much better at korean history than chinese history i think it's okay. set around like the year 1000 ish so like a thousand years ago so okay. it's like historical ish okay i i mean you could have easily like the way you were describing them like is this like historical like 1900 1800 okay so it's way back way back yeah, there's like generals and lots of battles being fought. And Niao Niao also comes from a military family. So she also has like the weight of that. Anyway, I have fallen down the C-drama rabbit hole. Also, the thing about C-dramas really quickly is that K-dramas are lovely and that they're generally capped around 16 or like max 20 episodes. This C-drama that I'm watching is 52 episodes. Oh. All like an hour <laughs> long. So like it is a commitment that I have now made, but... <laughs> You How know, many we'll episodes see. have you watched? 14 in like three days. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to shout you out with how fast you did it. I just wanted to know how fast. <laughs> yeah, it's about summer. <laughs> I got to get them in while the summer is still happening before the fall starts. So. Okay. I get okay. that. Anyway, Ayani, what's sparking joy for you? I mean, everyone on this call, apparently, so I'm just cracking up. But um, so I got <laughs> because Corinne is terrible and forces me to watch <laughs> things. I have two K-dramas that are sparking joy for me. Uh, the first is Extraordinary Attorney Wu, which has been wonderful. I've literally cried every episode. Um, what is really super quick synopsis? Uh, Attorney Wu is the first a person to have passed the bar in South Korea in this fantasy conception of modern South Korea that is autistic or that has autism. 
Uh, so it's kind of about her navigating her life at a law firm, arguing cases, falling in love, all that kind of stuff. It's delightful. I like it a lot. I was doing a little reading the other day because I was trying to figure out what she actually says in that line where she like says all of the their palindromes, right? Like kayak, tomato, mm-hmm. yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Her, her name is Wu Young Wu, so her name is a palindrome. Um, right. So every time she introduces herself, she like gives a list of palindromes, but the way Netflix does that, anyway, this is a rabbit hole, but the way Netflix does subs is they like came up with English equivalents rather than giving us the Korean, but you right. looked it up. Except Aon? for tomato. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Because tomato, I had to catch. I was like, tomato's not a palindrome. Mm. And I'm like, ah, but if it's transliterated into Hangul, then it is to-ma-to, and then that would be a palindrome because it would be the huh. to symbol, the ma symbol, and the to symbol, right? Or symbol, character. But anyhow, I was doing some reading about it, and I know there are some mixed feelings out there on the internet about Attorney Wu and about the show, but I do find it extremely delightful. I think a lot of what they're doing is very, very smart, uh, and I think they are talking about complicated topics deftly and with care and with attention. Uh, also, it's, all the actors are really cute and mm-hmm. it makes me cry, so I like it. Uh, the second thing that's sparking joy for me is – Well, I can't blame Corinne for this one. This one's actually my fault, but it's a K-drama called Yumi Cells, which I think we might have talked about before, perhaps. Uh, It's based on a webtoon that I absolutely love, and this was the second season. And I have a lot of feelings about this season that I will not share because I do not want to spoil things for anyone who is watching, but it's it's a really good show. It's high emotion. (laughs) Uh, It's really funny, and also it gives you interesting ways to think about how your brain works. Because um, mm-hmm. what the premise is, is that you get Yumi's outside life and it's kind of slice of life and it's about her story and the men that she's dating and all that kind of stuff. But also a lot of the show is spent with her quote unquote cells, which are these little personifications of different parts of her personality. So you have sensitivity. So like inside out, but for adults. Right. Uh, rationality. With more variation. Right, exactly. It's not just like anger joy, etc. It's more kind of spaced out. Like there's cleanliness cell, but there's also like self-care sale or, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's it's really changed kind of like how I think about myself and how I think about my life. Um, like who's your prime cell, which is one of our favorite things to kind of talk about right now. Uh, so those are the two things that are sparking a lot of joy for me. But without further ado, because we sparked a lot of joy here, uh, I want to kind of scooch us along into our discussion proper (laughs) thinking about Regency romances so to start I think it might be helpful to give a little information about what a Regency romance is if you are like me you might kind of have a general idea but not necessarily the deep abiding love that some people have for these kinds of stories so Corinne since you are kind of one of our guides through Regency romance for this episode, how would you describe what a Regency romance is? So the sort of generally accepted definition that I found that I do not necessarily fully abide by, but it, it's basically a period romance or so a historical romance set in Britain in the 1800s. Uh, there are a couple caveats to that definition. Uh, the Regency period was apparently only from 1811 to 1820, uh, but the term is often used to cover basically the whole century. And I also want to note that when we say Regency romance, if we talk about 
romance, as defined by the romance writers of America, that means it has to have a happily ever after at the end. Uh, so that would be like capital R romance. Uh, we're more sort of using like lowercase r romance or what our fellow podcasters over at Afternoon of Delight, who are romance writers, would call a love story. So Regency romance... It's a huge genre within like romance fiction, but it mm. kind of has, I think, gone on to be used more expansively and we'll be using a more expansive definition here in our conversation. Yeah. And also to plug Vox Pop, since y'all are here, I think the last time I was on the show, we did an episode about romance and romance fiction. So that would be a good one for us to throw in the show notes in relation to this conversation. So with that definition in place, what are y'all's relationships to Regency romance? So like for me, for example, I have obviously read Pride and Prejudice, right? I'm a literature scholar, so I've had to read some Austen, but it was not, or I should say is not, let's do present tense, my kind of like genre of choice. It's not the thing I run to. Like one of my cousins and my aunt, they're like very, very big Jane Austen people. And that's not necessarily my bag. So Corinne and I, over the last couple of months of kind of prepping for um, this episode, have been doing kind of like a Regency romance crash course. So I watched um, the Pride and Prejudice 2005 film. We watched I was going to say Swayed and Persuasion. That's not the name of what? Sense and Sensibility. We watched Sense and Sensibility, which was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Um, we watched Persuasion, the new one from Netflix, which we will come back to. Um, and, of course, I've watched Bridgerton because that was kind of the initial context for this show. But a lot of it is very, very new to me. It's not like a genre that I've sat with. So throwing this to y'all what are kind of your your relationships with regency romance mine's basically exactly the same um <laughs> i <laughs> i um i am a literature scholar so i had to read friend Regis at some point <laughs> like it's a rule like that's someone, someone makes you do that in your um intro to the novel class and i did and it was fine and i've <laughs> read other stuff here and there definitely not my genre or my time period or even my country because mm -hmm, I guess technically mm -hmm. it's supposed to be you know British novels whereas I tend to read American ones um though that's questionable but interesting enough and I didn't really know what the real definition was up until you guys asked me to do the show and I read Wikipedia um and it was the same I mean it was the same thing it was the same thing I was just like uh Regency you know romance books in the 1800s, I guess. Like that was basically my my knowledge of it. And then I watched Bridgerton because Hannah made me, and I loved um, it. I was gonna say, <laughs> talk about wrestling interests like Bridgerton. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, it's not a compl yeah. no, it's not a complaint. I, I have no complaints about Bridgerton. I'm I am 100 in. Um, I've read the first Bridgerton book. I've read so I've, there's been stuff here and there. But the honest truth is, I watched Bridgerton because. When Bridgerton came out, Hannah said, we're doing a show on this. And I was like, OK, so I'll, I'll go watch this. And it's like, oh, oh, this is good. I love this. So that that's very new for me as well. Like, you know, the last, I guess, two years since Bridgerton started. Mm -hmm, I lose track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, what about you, Hannah? So I won't give you the long story of how I started reading Jane Austen, but I, I started with Sense and Sensibility in late middle school, early high school. And it was, like, the first book in a long time that, was like, took me, like, two weeks to read. 
Mm. But I was like, oh, like I thought it would be like super old sounding or something, but it actually like sounds a bit modern. Maybe I should read more of these at some point in time. And like over the next couple years, I, I read and I realized because um, I, I am going to be that one pedantic person this one time that that you're right. Like the Regency period was very short. Like um, it, it was like interesting because, you know, King George was ill um, as Bridgerton portrays. And, and so he wasn't mm, like, mm-hmm. he wasn't deemed fit to rule. And, and that's um, where the Regency title comes from because like the King was not dead, but like his son wasn't officially like taking over. Also his son was not super popular. That's, that's not the most interesting thing about what's happening here. Um, so I, I read, you know, like a bunch of other 19th century novels like Jane Eyre, uh, Pride and Prejudice, of course, uh, the 2005 version came out and I actually think I saw it before I read the book. And um, it just sort of spiraled from there. And then I started studying the 19th century in college and grad school. And at one point while writing my dissertation, I sort of had a breakdown. It was like, I can't do this anymore. So what I oh no. So what I did was I stopped writing my chapter on Jane Eyre and started reading a bunch of like only Regency, like n- nothing Victorian because I couldn't stand the Victorian period. So I was like, I still like you, Austin. So I'll read novels set in 1800 and stop at like 1820. I think like Bridgerton stops in like the, like a little past like the technical regency period in like the later like 1820s. This is the only time period. This is what I'm doing. No Queen Victoria. I'm done. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I read everything from like Georgette Heyer, which I, I want to mention, like she is deemed like mm-hmm. a regency classic, but like I shouldn't mention her without saying like, even though she's recommended to a lot of people, um, more recently, there's been more discussion from uh, people like Courtney Milan, who's a Regency writer, and Bianca Hernandez Knight about like her like complicated like uh, writings and like how a lot of her books have been abridged to like get rid of the anti-Semitism and racism that are inherent in them. Mm. And then I've read more modern st- like I read more modern stuff like Courtney Milan, who is one of the writers like not only working to bring like more diverse stories to the Regency period and like the 19th century as a whole but to make romance writing more inclusive. So I've read too much romance and too much Regency (laughs) romance specifically is what I'm telling you. And we'll definitely come back to some of those things you're talking about later because as as a newbie, I have some some questions, right, about what the rules, quote unquote, are. So Corinne, as my Regency romance teacher, tutor, scholar, professor (laughs) person, what is your history with or your history? Yeah, that's the word we're using, right? What's your history of Regency romance? Yeah, so mine starts out pretty similar to Hannah's, actually. I think I I read – I was remembering as she was talking that I read Pride and Prejudice in sixth grade largely to say that I read Pride and Prejudice. Uh, but from <laughs> I there, I remember <laughs> – Uh, And from there, I remember seeing the 2005 Pride and Prejudice in theaters and was like, oh, I like this. I would like to see more of it, probably. <laughs> and then since then, I've like seen almost every Jane Austen adaptation, probably. Like when Bridgerton came out, I was like, yeah, I should watch that. But unlike Hannah, my interest has largely remained uh, non-professional. So I specialize in contemporary <laughs> children's literature. So little to no overlap with the Victorian period or the Regency period or the long 19th century. 
But I remain a very avid casual fan, which I think has allowed me to enjoy uh, the Victorian period in a way that uh, <laughs> Hannah did, does not or did not briefly. <laughs> but but I've also read some some of uh, Courtney Milan's stuff. It's really, really excellent. Uh, it still remains in like that area where it's like I can read this and it probably will not become my work. So Mm -hmm, it can mm -hmm, still be mm -hmm. for fun. Um, But I really enjoy it, uh, but also at the same time see some of the problems that I'm sure we'll talk about, like with diversity, colonialism, a very myopic view of what success is, and also Mm, the problems with romanticizing mm -hmm. that. Oof. Mm. All right. Well, jumping off of those serious (laughs) talking points that Corinne has left us with. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So... People love Regency romance, right? This is a genre that people keep coming back to to get something out of. But kind of one of the questions that we have is like, how does Regency romance work? Why do people want it so bad? Why do we keep telling these stories? Why do we keep coming back to them? So I'm going to, I mean, Mav, of course, jump in whenever you want. But since Corinne and Hannah, you two are like the ones that have had like the big fandom moments with this would it be fair to call it a genre is that fair yeah i think Uh, we can call it a genre especially at least for our conversation yeah (laughs) yeah what it is yeah so for our conversation like what what are the things about regency romance that make people keep coming back to it in in y'all's opinion so i think the answer for me and this is not something that only exists in regency romances but for me it is i think a very sort of tangible yearning because there are a lot of strict rules in these like romantic story like you can't touch each other like except when you're dancing you can only call on each other at certain times you can only see each other like with a chaperone so like there is a sort of yearning for something that may never happen that like it's just a particular set of circumstances in which yearning is a is pretty easy to manufacture um, mm. And I appreciate a good love story with like a lot of yearning before anything wow. actually happens. That's uh, what about you, Hannah? Tropes. I, I since we're talking 2005 Pride and Prejudice, uh, and you brought up yearning, I can't help but mention the hand scene where Darcy. Oh yeah, like, iconic. Yeah, like he helps <laughs> her into the carriage, and then like there's like close-ups of his hand, and you just like you're just like oh what. <laughs> Like it, you know, um, I've seen this movie like three like he times. He helped in the carriage. It's the first time they've ever touched. Yeah, <laughs> like like Josh and I cannot watch the movie, and we watch it and actually Emma twenty twenty fairly regularly because he's he's a huge fan of Austin. He's actually rereading. He should have been on this instead of me because he's rewriting re- rereading, not rewriting. That'd be a different thing. He's rereading Brian Prejudice <laughs> right now, and he's like. I forgot how funny this is. Did, do you want me to tell you about the Mr. Collins scenes? Do you, do you want me to read some out loud? Because it's just so good. Um, That's like a very Mr. Collins move. Yeah, right? I'm going to read these scenes to you out loud. Because, you know, they're just so deeply funny. Uh, which I don't want to compare him to Mr. Collins. But actually what's funny is Mr. Collins is like, hey, you know, it would be fun if we what we did after dinner. If I read aloud to you from like these really pedantic sermons. Um very different vibe than Austin. She's making fun of them. But 
<laughs> oh, we had a face in the back. Oh, he, he, I think he heard his name and thought I was calling him. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's probably like, why are you talking about me reading Pride and Prejudice? Anyway. Um, so yeah, I've, of course, like yearning makes sense. I also think that like, while our, our social protocols in 2022 might not be exactly the same as like 1812, <laughs> like, like, like you can turn a guy down for a dance and still be able to dance with other guys. If you're like out for a night, right? Like that was like a thing, like for politeness, you had to like accept every dance. That's why Elizabeth is like, darn it. I have to dance with Collins. Ugh. And she had to. Um, so like, like while things are different, there certainly are like so enough overlaps about, you know, following like the expectations of society or like, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in Southern Mississippi um, and my sister and I both went to colleges in Southern Mississippi and there was a saying that was ring by spring. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have not heard of ring by spring, the idea is that you need to get engaged by the spring of your senior year or you'll be alone forever because your life's clearly over at the age of 22. Oh, Jesus Lord. <laughs> So my my oh. sister literally like when she was like in her English classes was comparing Austin to this like concept of ring by spring and like the scarcity of men. <laughs> there is a modern day adaption um, novel of Jane Austen called Unmarriageable, and the author reading it was like, "Hey, Jane Austen must like like is is like understands like Pakistani culture." Like Sonia Kamal, the author of Unmarriageable, was like, "I see." my culture somewhat in Austin, like this, this translates really Hmm. well for me and like wrote um, a really good adaptation of, of Austin in like two, like 2000, early like 2000s um, Pakistan. Uh, And it's really interesting. And so like, I I think that there's a lot of like different ways you can, you can relate to Austin, even in the current time, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. especially (laughs) um, if, you know, you're a woman, or, or, you know, and, and limited by society. And there's, you know, all sorts of things that still relate today, even if they're slightly different. Like, um, I forgot what I was saying, but that's fine. I think that there was a point in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, like yeah. Um, but like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of like things in Austin that still translate today, whether it's like class mm, or, mm-hmm. or, or the importance of manners, the, the questions of like judgment and taste, uh, the question of gossip. I think, something particularly strong mm. in Regency romance that we don't talk enough about is actually mm-hmm. the relationships between women. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, um, I, I will always give a shout out to Sharon Marcus who wrote a book of criticism called between women. And it still vividly sticks in my mind, her like point that like in Austin novels, a major way people find the person they're going to marry is because they have strong relationships with other women and the relationships between women is how they survive. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I'll get back to that when we talk about persuasion because it's interesting what they've done in the new version and what they've cut out. So, so there's a couple of threads I want to pull on from what Hannah was talking about, like in particular uh, how Jane Austen is associated so strongly with Regency romance, even when yeah. her stuff is adapted to other settings, other places, other time periods. It still has almost we, we look for the ways it resonates with Regency romance but before we talk about mm. that I kind of wonder uh Mav and Aoni as people who never really got bit by the Jane Austen or Regency romance bug <laughs> from the outside what does it look like the appeal of it is and why was it not appealing to you before 
Oh, that's a good question. Map, you want to go first? I, or I you think want me to the go? appeal is the clothes. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, and <laughs> um, <laughs> caveat, uh, this is, Ayani made fun of me at the beginning for having way too many jobs. Um, I was a, I was a photographer for a while. Um, <laughs> Yes. Another yes, one. I was a glad. And another one. <laughs> You're like uh, DJ Khaled over here. <laughs> I, I, I guess I could just shout my name a lot like Khaled. <laughs> I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's wonderful. Um, but but I, I I did a lot of um I did a lot of glamour photography and there's a subgroup of people who are just super into glamorous uh period rome uh period victorian and regency clothing mm. and lolita clothing which uh, is uh-huh, uh-huh. mostly um sort of inspired by the idea of how lolita looked in various versions of the nabokov adaptation for film um which is not exactly mm. you know 18th century 19th century clothing it, it, it it's very weird but it's a but it's totally a thing that people like cosplaying and stuff mm-hmm, and i mm-hmm. think um to me that's where that's where it becomes interesting i've done a couple of photo shoots um not, and by i've done photo shoots i was a photographer because i don't look great in dresses um <laughs> but i've done a couple of photo shoots of this and i think that i think that it seems silly because people go, well, you know, how could you be into this ridiculous thing said by people who, you know, dress up as superheroes or who wear, you know, wear the jerseys of mm, their favorite mm-hmm, football mm-hmm. or hockey teams or whatever. Like, so I, I I think it's a fandom that just has a lot of fantasy in it because of its, uh, its acceptable otherness, right? Like you can be weird and Mm. distinct Mm -hmm. and you can totally nerd out over something that is not the now but like because it's british and old-fashioned it's sophisticated right like you can pretend we're being fancy you know and Mm. we're we're not Mm -hmm. nerds we're fancy people who you know wear petticoats i guess i don't know (laughs) 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 but you know what i mean (laughs) it's like i think that's part of it right I like a good petticoat. Again, I, I have several. They just don't fit me. <laughs> I was a photographer. I actually have like, I can see like my model clothes in that closet right over there that I'm looking at. <laughs> There's a whole closet full of stuff for people to try on. But yes, I, I think that's a big part of it. And this is part of the fantasy. I think that, you know, in the same way as dressing up like Captain Marvel or Iron Man would be, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. If this isn't about clothes, Mav, um, but speaking of like the time fantasy and just fantasy in general, I think one thing that so someone said a while ago and I don't know who it was so I'm sorry but it stuck with me like they were talking about romance like 50 shades like everything from like Pride and Prejudice to Jane Eyre to 50 shades of gray mm-hmm. and they said part of the fantasy is that people you know like generally people are struggling with like money and like stability and the world feels like they're falling apart around them and part of the fantasy of romance but also like the structure of like what we see in austin of what what mm-hmm. um they termed like the you know kind of jerky billionaire he come becomes tamed and he marries you and then you're taken mm-hmm. care of mm-hmm. and like that you know actually made 50 shades of gray make a lot more sense for me because i was like oh the writing in this everyone knows 
if you listen to Box Popcast, how obsessed I am with Fifty Shades of Grey, despite making fun of it all the time. Uh, I like, I just, it's like the novel I'll never like be able to finish reading because it's like five hundred pages and it's really bad. But also, like, I'm fascinated by it as a cultural artifact. But I think it makes sense. Like, you know, she's like given like a job as like an editor straight out of college at like the age of twenty two, and like she's never going to have to like be a starving grad student trying to get her PhD. <laughs> And like, <laughs> and you know, like when I was a starving grad student trying to get my PhD, I was like, oh yeah, like, um, I didn't think I would like have these like thoughts to myself, but wouldn't it be nice if someone really rich married me and I had job security? I will say, and <laughs> if he ever listens to it, you're, I've met your boyfriend. He is much nicer than Christian Gray is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't make that comparison. I'm saying he's way better. He's way better. You said you had that. Uh, uh, you chose better, much better. <laughs> I like Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I regret everything about what I've said today. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. We've captured it. It's on record. Oh no. But but I mean, I, just kind of vibing with what you're saying, I think a lot of from the outside, what it seems like is this kind of fantasy of a particular kind of romance, mm -hmm. right? Like in our modern day conceptions of romance from a Western American context, right? Because every place is different. The thought of uh, there being lingering in a hand touch and that's <laughs> all you're going to get, you know, for the next six or seven months. Like that's not most people's conception of how real life romance unfolds. So I think with these Regency romances, it kind of feels like there's a sense of, there's that sense of remove that allows for a certain kind of fantasy of romance to unfold, um, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I also, I love a good romance story. I love some good yearning, you know, but, um, and this is something I kind of want to come back to too, is like, what happens when we remove the yearning from the equation? Does it change like what a Regency yeah. romance is? But we can come back to that a little later. Um, but that's that's kind of that's kind of what it feels like to me. But also, like I think Mav, you're on. I just said this Bridget with, like, and Bridget the and Bridget and the apparel because yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the 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 aesthetics of it are like special and top tier. And I I because going through my crash course, I was asking Corinne, I was like, why aren't they dressed up at this ball? And Corinne was like, oh, this is just a country <laughs> ball. You're going to get the fancy ball later. And then I was like, oh, look at these feathers. Yes, this is the fancy ball. So like there is kind of like the aesthetic juju quality of like being a fancy Regency lady with your bosoms all <laughs> propped up in your dress and what have you. So so yeah, that's that's my my outside take is bosoms. <laughs> so I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> and pause so we ended up having so much fun with mav and hannah that our one episode ended up kind of being a bit longer than we expected so we decided to make two <laughs> which we have often done like we keep doing this we should know better but here we are so we're gonna end part one episode one here and you'll have a part two to look forward to that kind of continues to round out our conversation. And in the meantime, if you'd like to hear more of Mav and Hannah, you can always find them over at Vox Podcast. And if you'd like to bother us or bother Ayani <laughs> to edit faster, you can find Rude. us on Twitter, Instagram, and occasionally Facebook at <laughs> Sex Lovelet. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>